Hey guys, y'all doing all right? Man, aren't you so thankful for the worship uh, that Kristen put together for this evening? I mean, for real, like for real, right? Didn't she do just a phenomenal job? I'm so thankful. You know, it's, it's amazing to me how, you know, when we have a Drew Bybee uh, that's out and we have such incredible, capable hands um, that put together these songs that go with what we're talking about and we just remember what we've got ahead of us on this week and just all of the good that this week holds and all of the hard that this week holds and all of everything. I'm just so thankful to just be together. You know, and on the heels of a family day that we got to spend together yesterday playing kickball and, and uh, ultimate football and just spending time one to another, it's just, Kristen was talking about it with everybody as we were doing our preparation for this evening. It's just so nice to be together today on the heels of such this special family time. And then here we are this week of Thanksgiving that is a family kind of week. And, uh, and so I hope that you're anticipating. I know, like I said, this week comes with, with all kinds of highs and lows, but I, I do hope that you are genuinely looking forward to giving thanks this week because we have a lot to be thankful for. And so it is, it is absolutely wonderful to get to gather together. And I hope we never take it for granted. Uh, you guys keep praying. Okay, so here's the deal. In true legacy style, all right? So yesterday we had family day and we played kickball and then we played a little ultimate football, which is basically ultimate Frisbee with a football, all right? And so a so little, little bit different to catch and throw and all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we're pretty active church, and we like to get out there and, and get after it. We got Kristen sliding into second uh, whenever, we, whenever we play kickball. Ladies, we're going to need Kristen Parkhurst effort from all of you from here on out, okay? So, no, I'm just, it's just, it's, it's so fun. Well, yesterday we're playing, and, uh, and, and, and we got, had two of our guys that, that collided, and Clint Neighbors caught the, the, the raw end of the deal and broke a rib at family day. Can you believe that? What kind of church at family day has broken ribs, right? This is craziness. But I tell you, you guys, he's doing well. And uh, he's one sore puppy today, uh, but he's doing okay. But please do be praying for him uh, just as his body heals up and he's feeling a little older today uh, than he was yesterday, running down a field and everything. And, uh, and so uh, we do smile, though, because, you know, he is, he's okay. And these things happen. You know, it's just, it, it happens. Uh, but yeah, to you guys, if you think about him this week, send him a little text message or call him up or whatever. Just let him know you're thinking about him and encourage him uh, for sure. Uh, but it's a, it's a good day to be together, and I'm glad that, that we're getting to spend this time. You know, there's a story that there's this, there's this pastor that was leaving one church and was going to another church. And uh, the congregation was upset, as you can imagine. And uh, this one little child walks up to the pastor and, and is, is visibly upset. And the pastor looks, looks at him and says, says, it's okay, man. The next pastor may be way better than I am. And the little kiddo looks at the pastor and he kind of with that sweet little kid, like, well, that's what they said before you came. And it just keeps getting worse. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh man, golly, truth hurts sometimes. And you got to love, you got to love these little kids, you know, and just how they, how they, I don't know if that's a true story or not, but it's a wonderful story. I can imagine it happening. I think we all can. But, you know, isn't it true that it's kind of easy to focus on the negative we naturally are drawn to the hard. We're naturally drawn to the negative rather than to kind of see the full picture of, of, of what could be and what God is up to and kind of seeing what's going on. You know, it reminds me regularly 
you know, to fly the flags of who I'm for rather than what I'm against. And as we as a church, hope to fly those flags of who we're for rather than what we're against. And you want to know the most challenging time, I think, to do that? One of the most challenging times, I think, is even when it means that there are people that are going to perceive our motivation and, and our belief differently than they really are. When we are for people rather than what we're against and the perception of humanity towards us, there may be some, some judgments or some perception that our faith or our belief may be different than they actually are, positively or negatively. It's a really hard place to be and to not try to defend ourselves but just be who we are and be confident in who we are because we know the truth and the truth is what genuinely sets us free, right? That's what it is. And so that's a hard time. Now here's the deal. Criticism is one thing, right? Whether it's positive or negative, constructive, whatever, you know, we know that there's good criticism and there's bad criticism. We know that. On the other hand, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how much an impact encouragement means? When somebody just takes a moment to encourage you, to let you know they're in your corner, even when you know that it's a, it's a hard corner that you're in, but somebody lets you know that they're with you and that you're not alone. Encouragement is, it makes a lasting impact. You know, there's another quote that's out there that flatter me and I may not believe you, criticize me and I may not like you, ignore me and I may not forgive you, praise me and I will not forget you. Encouragement's powerful. It's very meaningful because we know, we know our flaws. We know that we're wretched people. We know that we, we have these thoughts that we want to do good and then we have a hard time doing good. We know that we, we have these thoughts that we don't want to do bad and then we end up doing bad or we have these preconceived ideas about people and we just have this yuck view of humanity or whatever the case may be. We know ourselves. And when somebody's in our corner, regardless of our good and bad it makes a lasting impact, and it's a huge, huge deal. Well, it's kind of in that vein that we finish up tonight. We finish up this series that we've been in, moving from me to we, rather than an individual way of living life to a collective way of living life as the body of believers, knowing we're not alone in this battle. We're not alone in what's going on in our world. We're not alone in what's happening within the church. We're not alone in what's happening within our families and even into our own individual lives at work or at play or whatever the case may be. We're not there. We've been circling the wagons. We've been kind of making sure that, that man, we're, we're pulling everybody together and we're just saying, man, we're just checking in. How you doing? How you doing on love and good deeds? How you doing on not giving up meeting together? How you doing in these things? And so we've just been circling the wagons. And then of course, we've been asking ourselves this really important question. What's my responsibility? What is my responsibility in helping those that are on the outside move to the inside? Because, man, COVID has, has created some outliers. It's been a thing. But COVID's no longer an excuse, all right, for us not being in relationship. We've got to move people from the outside into the inside. Again, people from the outside that have never been on the inside, we get to move them in. And so what is my responsibility in helping those on the outside move to the inside? And then, of course, we're celebrating the ever-increasing importance of our thought process shifting from me to we. We can turn that M upside down into a W. And the whole point of the whole thing is to build the faith. Yes, it builds our faith, but it's really important to build the faith. This community of believers, this body, the church, 
not just legacy church as the expression, but yes, legacy, but also the global church that we are a part of. We want to build the faith. And so let's kind of put everything back together and make sure that we're all got our hats on the same, same um, kind of way, thinking caps here. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith. It's the assurance of things hoped for, proof of things not seen. Now that's our individual faith, that there is this assurance of the things that we hope for, and there's proof. There's proof of the things not seen. Now we also, last week, reminded ourselves that we, as the church, we are the faith. We are the ones that give credit, or not credit, but we give credibility, believe it or not. And not that God needs our credibility, but we do give evidence, we do give proof of the fact that Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we asked the question last week, are we giving that evidence by the we, or are we kind of guilty of just kind of having this Lone Ranger Christianity and Lone Ranger faith, which isn't giving proof as a whole to the onlooking world? So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, proof of things not seen. We're wanting to build the faith and this proof because here's these phrases. None of us are as strong as all of us. None of us. Another phrase we've been, we've been saying is there's nothing you'll ever do that'll make me love you any less. This is a powerful phrase for us to get to look at each other and say, man, I love you. I may not like you very much right now, but there is nothing you'll ever do that that you can shake me, that you can make me give up on you. That's a powerful familial statement. These are things that we have to consider. Is, are these true statements? Are these true statements? And the final one is me need we. Me. You can imagine the caveman voice that we did last week, right? Me need we. I need us. Do you need the church? Is the church essential to life, to the fullness of life as God intended. You see, it's easy to make ourselves feel better by pointing other people's flaws out. That's so easy. You know, it's fish in a barrel, isn't it? So easy to look at people because we all have flaws that are just so easily noticeable. We all make mistakes. We all have these things. And it's so much easier to look at somebody else and say, well, at least I'm not you. You know, how terrible is that? But if we're true with ourselves, that, that thought process can enter in if we're not careful because we tend to focus on our differences rather than our similarities. And the scariest part about this thing, that's kind of a cultural thing. The scariest part about this thing is that is a very much so a church reality. This is the scariest thing within the church to focus on differences rather than the common ground that we share it's tragic. Well, and, and, the, and the conventional wisdom is, well, the people that make up the church should know better. We've been talking about this stuff for years. The church should know better. They should choose wise. They should choose good. They should choose the things. And it's just puzzling why the church doesn't until we look at ourselves and we go, well, oh, okay. <laughs> I know my reality. And Thank goodness Jesus is still saving people from ourselves. It's easy to look at the differences and point out one another's flaws, but it's so destructive. And so what we want to be guilty of as a church is irritating each other. 
irritating each other to an irritating encouragement. To where I know your flaws, you know my flaws, and regardless of your flaws, regardless of my flaws, we are irritating one another by irritating encouragement. That we are encouraging one another to the point where we kind of look and go, I don't deserve that encouragement. Stop it. I, that's enough of that. I am, I am a wretched fool. I know my flaws. I know my things. Stop encouraging me. But the truth is, we need that encouragement. We need people to take note of the things that are good and point them out. Because we constantly live in a world that focuses on the bad, focuses on the evil, focuses on the yuck. And I'm not talking about blowing smoke. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about genuine encouragement where we see what God sees in people and we encourage to that end. So may we provoke one another. This is our key truth tonight. May we provoke one another to a provoking encouragement. Irritate, spur on all of these phrases. So let's, let's hit this foundational passage again. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, we get the privilege of that as the believing body by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. That is his body, Jesus' body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, this is the first let us statement. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Second let us statement. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Hold to that hope. And the final let us, let us consider how we may spur one another on, provoke one another on, irritate one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but, and this is tonight, encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day Jesus is returning, approaching. What a beautiful statement. And some people can look and go, man, that just, man, Danny, this just sounds like an optimist. This just sounds like a glass half full kind of guy. This just sounds like a smoke and mirrors. This just sounds like we're just, we're just trying to, to sweep under the rugs reality. No, we live in reality. We know how hard life is. We need one another to encourage each other. We need one another to help us know we're not by ourselves fighting this fight, living this life in a way that feels like it can crush us at times. We need encouragement. And so we have the example of Paul. We've looked at Paul several times. Paul has a, a way about him to provoke others to provoking encouragement. We can see through the church in Philippi. Now this is an important story for us to wrap our minds around here tonight, okay? Because this is something that can happen within the church. Philippians chapter four, verses two, we're gonna start there. We'll go through verse nine throughout this evening. Paul says, I plead with, there's two people I'm pleading with. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. I'll explain in just a moment. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. That's an important phrase along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. So here's the situation. 
All right, so, so there are believers that are at odds with each other. Now, not just any believers. These are ministers of the gospel that are at odds with one another. And it's important to understand that the church in Philippi was founded by a group of women. And this group of women that started this church in Philippi that Paul was explaining the gospel to, they come to know the gospel, and then this church is born. We have these ladies, and then all of a sudden, I know it's hard to imagine, but um, there's a personality conflict. Ladies, you ever been there before? There's no personality conflicts with you guys. I know that. Just like there's no personality conflicts with men. All right, there's none of that. But in this particular instance, there's a personality conflict between Euodia and Syntyche. And then Paul says to his true companion, and this is kind of a suspicion thing. Nobody really knows who the true companion is that Paul's talking about. Some say it might be Titus. Others say it might be Timothy. He's just kind of saying, hey, you're there. Will you help them navigate this so that they can move on in the gospel? Because these are co-workers in the gospel. We got to make sure that this church doesn't have difficulty through these personality conflicts. And so what ends up happening is Paul Rather than focusing on what those differences are that they were having, what he says is, he says, put aside these differences, these personality differences, and be united via four different exhortations. We're going to get there. I just want to kind of give you a heads up before I say what they are. He tells them, hey, focus on these four things rather than these personality conflicts, because there's always going to be personality issues. Focus on the main things. Number one, rejoice in the Lord. Man, you can get so caught up in the difficulty of life. You get so caught up in who wants what and who's thinking what and, and who, who would like to see what happens within the church. And, and he's like, no, 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 don't think on those things. Hang on just a second. Rejoice. There's life. There's a church. You're getting to thrive in a relationship with the body of Jesus on this earth. Rejoice in the Lord. Second thing, be gentle to everyone. So Paul says, be gentle, even to yourself. Because we're mean to ourselves, aren't we? We beat ourselves up really badly. Be gentle to all people, including yourself. Third thing he says is be prayerful instead of anxious. See, it's so easy to get so caught up in what could happen and fear of the future. Rather than being fearful of the future, be prayerful about the future. Give these things over to the Lord. And then finally, keep on thinking and doing what is morally excellent. Now that's under the assumption that the church was actually doing this in the first place. And there's the same thing would be true, that we're actually thinking on what is morally excellent. And so let's read Paul's words now, these four exhortations that he says. Here they are. Verse four. After this conflict, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice, which means rejoice in the Lord. No, 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 I'm serious, rejoice. There's a lot to rejoice about. Verse five, let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And here's our result, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And he finishes up with what we're thinking about. What is the mind supposed to be focused on? 
Finally, whatever's pure, excuse me, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, this is Paul, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. It's so easy to concern ourselves with things that are the opposite of what we're told in Scripture to set our minds on. It's so easy to be drawn to those things because no one is naturally drawn to the goodness of God. It takes the supernatural to draw us there. And if we will fix our mind on these things, there's this peace that begins to settle into our lives. There's a confidence in who we are that we're able to operate in this world in a way that's very unique and very special. And so these are these four final provocations so you can see them on the screen. Number one, rejoice in the Lord. Number two, be gentle to everybody. Number three, be prayerful instead of anxious. And number four, keep on thinking and doing what is morally excellent. These are good things for you this week. When you find yourself in a difficult moment, this is a great thing to think about. So if you got your phone with you and you need to pick it up, just take a picture of this sucker, take a picture of this slide, because this is a good one to just remind ourselves. We got another one coming up, but this is a good one to get started on here. Because see, Paul could have easily pointed out the flaws of these people. He could have raked them over the coals, right? He could have just destroyed them about these insignificant things that they're arguing about or have their feelings hurt over. He could have done that. But Paul didn't do that. Paul instead chose to provoke the church with a provoking encouragement to encourage the church to be the body of Christ and to reflect the body of Christ, God in the flesh. This is the, the challenge here. And so here's what we gain from this. We kind of boil all of this down in the, through the lens of relationships within the body, within families, within the believing community and in relationships outside of the believing community. Here it is. If you get anything in relationships right, get encouragement right. If you get anything in relationships right, get encouragement right. Husbands, get encouragement right. Wives, get encouragement right. Children, get encouragement right towards your parents. And parents, get encouragement right towards your children. The church, get encouragement right towards one another. This is an important piece of the puzzle. Because, man, life is hard. We all know that. Nobody needs to be pointed out how bad they are. But, man, the power of a word of encouragement is powerful. And it is effective. I promise you. So this week, guess what? You represent Jesus everywhere you go this week. Everywhere you go. Whosever home you find yourself in, whatever family situation you're in, you represent the Lord and you represent Legacy Church. Everywhere you go this week, you are a representation of who Jesus is. Are you proof of the things unseen this week? Are you evidence of the things hoped for? Everybody on this planet that hopes for a Savior to save them? Are you proof of that? Are you evidence of that? This is an important piece because we're entering into Thanksgiving, right? We're entering into this holiday season. 
And so let me ask a question just kind of as we're thinking about this a little bit. Here's the question. Is it easier for you to encourage believers or is it easier for you to encourage people who are far from God? It's kind of an interesting question, isn't it? We might think that it's, duh, it's easier to encourage believers because we're kind of of the same heart and the same mind. We have these, this unity and all that kind of thing. My guess is there's several of you in this room that it's really hard to encourage believers. It's really hard for you to encourage believers. I know I'm one of those. Sometimes it's really difficult for me to encourage believers because don't we kind of have this general rule of thumb that we, well, we've been talking about what it means to follow Jesus for a long time together. And so shouldn't we kind of do that? And that's just kind of the baseline for us. And so there's this encouragement there that sometimes can be a challenge, but, but man, I've got a whole lot of grace for critical words from somebody that doesn't know Jesus. I got a whole lot of grace for cutting corners and not giving their best from somebody that doesn't know Jesus. I've got a lot of mercy when it comes to folks that they're not playing with the same deck of cards. I've got a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of mercy there. And so it's really, it's really pretty easy for me to encourage people who don't know Jesus and are far from God to see what God sees rather than what humanity sees in the person. It's kind of easy to look through the exterior to the interior. That's just me. You know, I mean, one of the most difficult audiences for me to provoke, provoking encouragement is those that are supposed to already know how to handle themselves. It's hard. It's difficult in this moment because, oh, another thing, I find it really difficult also to encourage those that have the same spirit of God residing inside of them, especially when what comes out of them seems to fly in the face of the same spirit. Anybody else there? Where we have the spirit of God internally and you and me, we got the spirit of God internally. We have this common ground in Jesus, but yet the way Life is manifesting in you, believer. That does not communicate who Jesus is. That communicates greed. It communicates selfishness. It communicates arrogance. It communicates pride. It communicates all these things. That's hard to encourage in that moment for somebody who's living with the same spirit, but it seems like what's being manifest is not of the same spirit. Now, you may be different than me, and you may, you may find yourself, you know, um, where it's much easier for you to encourage the believer. But regardless of which audience you struggle with most, here's the most important thing. If you get anything in relationships right, get encouragement right. Encourage one another. We've got to encourage one another. We've got to support one another. So here it is, okay, all right, so here's just kind of the, the second photo, right, for you here. How to get encouragement right. Philippians 4, chapters two, or verses two through nine. Here's, here's where we do this, okay? Paul tells us, number one, pray with thanksgiving, all right? So that's where we start. We start with thanksgiving. So let's just imagine that you have a relationship that you're expecting to encounter this week, and you're thinking, gosh, how am I going to do this, man? I just, I feel like I need to set them straight. I feel like I need to really just tell them off. I feel like I really need to make sure they know where I stand. I feel like I really need to make sure that they get it in the name of Jesus, right? 
All right, so I really feel like that needs to happen, right? Okay, so we start with Thanksgiving. Here's the best thing to do. Take a moment and just, just start thinking about all the ways you're thankful for them. Oh, gosh. Hang on, Danny, that's bull. I don't want to do that. I want to tell them off in the name of Jesus. No, no, no. Start with Thanksgiving. All right, we got to start with Thanksgiving. What are the things that there's Thanksgiving in their life? Whether it's their family or whether it's the, the way they care for your child or whether it's a whatever, I don't know, the way that they operate in their business, whether it's the, the, their generosity or whatever. Just start with Thanksgiving. Lord, thank you that they are and fill in the blank. Thank you. This works for family. It works for the church. It works for everything, right? Start with Thanksgiving. Pray with Thanksgiving. And then, here it is. You ready? This is your chance to say all the things you want to say. Here's your chance. This is it. You ready? Second thing, present your requests to God. Take a moment and all the things. Get in your car if you need to so you can bang on the steering wheel, you know? All right, so get in the car if you need to bang on the steering wheel to prove a point. You say all the things you want to say to them, but you say it to God. And just tell them off. And just tell God all the things you want to say. This is that moment. Present your request to God. God, I wish that they'd pull their head, never mind, you know what I'm saying? Right, you know, you, you, you get what I'm saying. I mean, all those things that you want to say, just tell God all about those things. Let him know all these requests that you have, that they would stop this and they would start this and they would get this and they would stop doing this and they, all these things. Just say all the things to God. Get down to business. Say all the things you want to say to them, but say it to the Lord and let God take this burden from you. Let God take this burden from you. So you start with thanksgiving, you then present your request to God, and then we're going to end with praise of that person. Yes, we're going to end with praise, and that is think encouragement. How does God long for you to encourage them instead this week? Start with thanksgiving, end with praise. And here's the result. The peace of God will be with you. Doesn't mean that that person's gonna change behavior. We're not the behavior police. It's not our job to change their behavior. What that means is, is that no, the God of peace will be with you, which means all that unrest that's in you, let it go. It's doing nothing but killing you. Let it go. Forgive let it go. It's an important piece of the puzzle. And so let me just irritate you a little bit tonight, and then we're going to be done, okay? Irritate a little bit further. Here it is. Ready? When was the last time you encouraged someone with no expectation of reciprocation or behavior change? When's the last time? When's the last time you encouraged somebody with no expectation that they're going to reciprocate with that encouragement? Or that they're gonna change some behavior to be the way that you want it to be. When's the last time that you encourage someone? You see, encouragement has the power to elevate people. And when we talk about honor, this is who we wanna be. We wanna honor one another. We treat them as special, we go beyond minimum expectation, we do it with a good attitude. That's how we honor people. This is who we are as the church. This is who Paul is encouraging us and irritating us to be. When's the last time you did this? See, the, the encouragement has the power to cause people to excel above their own expectations. Try it out with your kids. I promise you, if you focus more on encouragement than you do on correction, they will excel beyond whatever bar you set. It is a beautiful reality. 
It is a gorgeous thing that takes place. It works with adults too, believe it or not. Just make sure you're not encouraging with the expectation of change. We encourage with no strings attached because we're just seeing what God sees in people. We're telling people what we see in them because we're seeing what God sees. And so we're not looking for this expectation of change. We're just looking for encouragement. And so here's the question um, as we kind of get towards the end here. Who's your person? I've been talking about this. Now, who's the person that's been coming to your mind? That's that challenge. Maybe it's somebody within the body that we need to encourage. Maybe it's a family member you're going to get to see this week. Maybe it's somebody within your own immediate family. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Whoever it is, who's your person? Who is your person that God is provoking you to provoke with provoking encouragement? Who is it? Who is that person that God has got in your brain and you're like, dadgummit, this is so irritating because I don't want to do this. Who is your person? And then the next question is, why has God placed them as your person? Why has God placed them in your mind? Why Why is that in your mind? And then the next thing is, the tough part, reach out. Encourage them face to face, give them a phone call, Text messages, yeah, it's not, not the greatest, but it'll work. It's better than nothing. But reach out and encourage them. And so here we go, guys. We're finishing up this series. And as we kind of wrap this all together, may we settle in. So here's the, here are the words that we're not going to say anymore as a church. Well, you know, before COVID, we're done. Let's not say these words anymore. Because we are now in a new normal. This is who we are. This is what we're dealing with. And so as we've circled the wagons and as we've taken an account and as God has placed these names in our minds of the different ways that we're provoking to love and good deeds and, 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 and encouraging people to, to draw back to the church and we're, we're encouraging people to, uh, to be these, the, 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 the body of Christ come from the outside to the inside, we're done saying, well, you know, before COVID. And now we look with hope, with expectation, as proof of the things not seen. We build the faith up. And here's how we build this faith up. We provoke one another to provoking love. We irritate one another to irritating good deeds. We remember those that have gone before us, those that are no longer living on this earth and honor their lives in the faith by the way that we emulate their love of the Savior in their lives. We find ourselves saying things like, me need we. May me need we. May we need the church. May we need one another. And then finally, May we be a people that is known for our encouragement instead of our judgment. Father, this is what we need. And Lord, this is, this is a challenge because here we find ourselves in this space where relationships are hard, but we also find ourselves in this, in this space where, man, Lord, you love us so unconditionally. Lord, may we be guilty of the same love May we be guilty of loving people to the point where there's nothing they can do that make us love them any less. We may not like them very much in the moment, but there's nothing. There's nothing to separate. 
And so, Lord, we offer forgiveness and mercy and grace, and we offer these things that you've offered to us. And Lord, that regardless of the way we view people and those that are hard for us to love and hard for us to handle, Lord, may we understand we're hard to handle, but you love us anyway. And so therefore, may we follow your lead and may we pour out our love. And more importantly, may we pour out your love to the people that we come in contact with. So Lord, may we get it right. May we get encouragement right, especially on this week of Thanksgiving. May we spend time with you saying all those things that we wish we could say, and Lord, let that help us feel better. And then, Lord, may we think encouragement. May we think about what's noble and pure and righteous and true and praiseworthy, and we think about these things. So, Lord, help us. Help us this evening as we view what's coming. And, Lord, may you save us. From ourselves. Father, we love you and we praise your name this evening. Amen.